son was born. And so when he was born, they didn't let me into the delivery room. They, um, they wheeled him out. And just before they put him in the, um, in the incubator room, right, they, just before they put him in, they, they wheeled him out and they let me see him. And I remember in my little 18-year-old mind, I remember thinking, um, I think this is more significant than I can presently feel. Like, this is a big deal. You ever had an experience like that? You know, it, it, it might even be something that you thought was a big deal, but you didn't realize how big of a deal it really was. Like, when he got down on one knee and said, will you marry me? And you go, wow, I don't know all that this entails, but I, I have a sense it's a big deal. Or maybe the, you thought it was a big deal when you graduated uh, high school or college, but and then as you started to work and get your own place and the responsibilities that came along with it, you saw, wow, this is a really big deal. You know, all of us experience that. All of us experience the kind of big deals that we don't understand are big deals until we reflect on them. The story that we're going to read today is one of those stories. It's a really big deal. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. You've heard it so many times, it stopped being a big deal. You've heard this story so many times that it's like, oh, yeah, right, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, heard that, mm-hmm, yeah, get to the next part, yeah, oh, okay, right, that's true, yeah, sure. And it has ceased being the extraordinary event that it actually is. So what I'm going to ask is that you would pray, even in your heart right now, where you can ask God, hey, God, help me to see this as the big deal that it actually is. Let me tell you why. Because this changes everything. What we're going to talk about today, and what we're going to talk about is no surprise, we're we're talking about Jesus' triumphal entry on Palm Sunday. And as we talk about this triumphal entry, I want you to see this as a huge event, one that will change your life forever. One that transforms the way you speak to your spouse in your marriage. It transforms how you go to work and how you do your work. It transforms how you relate to friends and others, how you view yourself, where you get your strength from, how you suffer and how you endure difficult times for long periods of time. This passage affects everything, because here's the big idea for today. When Jesus shows up, he changes everything. When Jesus makes his way, nothing is ever the same. So if you could listen to this story with new eyes, with new ears, with a new heart, I think God will do some miraculous things in each one of us. We pick up our passage in Matthew chapter 21. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. Incredibly familiar verses, but prayerfully, God will use them to uh, draw you to himself. Now, 
uh, as is our tradition, we stand at the reading of God's word. This is our response to how wonderful God is and how beautiful and perfect his word is. So if you would like, you can read with me on a count of three. We can all read it together. One, two, three. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the tree and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred, and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This is God's word. When Jesus shows up, he changes everything. It's possible to sit in a community like this, to hear the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ. It's possible to experience the music and have the fellowship. It's possible. And that our hearts not be transformed in a radical way. It's possible. It's possible to come to services and not have our hearts radically transformed. My prayer is that we would see Jesus in a beautiful and new way today and that our hearts would be radically transformed. That's my prayer for us. Jesus comes into town and he wants to make a statement. He declares himself king. Now, if you remember, up to this point, Jesus would hush his disciples whenever they said, hey, you are the Messiah, you are the king. He would go, hush, don't say that. He would heal people and he would tell them, don't tell them who healed you. He, would, he was so secretive for these years. So it's kind of shocking that in chapter 21, Jesus goes, hey, I want you to go 
And he starts making arrangements for, for him to come in to be declared their king. But he wants to make these announcements in subtle ways. He wants to make the announcement that he's a king, but he doesn't come in on a war horse. He comes in on a donkey. You see, if you came in through the gates on a war horse, it's because you're coming in victory after war. That's how you would approach a city. You were the king. You had conquered the city. You come on your horse because you are a warrior. Jesus didn't come like that. Jesus had his disciples set it up so that he would come and they would all recognize, oh my goodness, this is a king. Even Matthew points out, do you see how Matthew interprets all that Jesus is saying? Jesus says to them, hey, he sends two disciples. He says, hey, you're going to find a donkey and her um, colt tied next to her. What you're going to do is you're going to untie him, bring him to me. And he gives them instruction. And after they come to him, uh, Matthew says this as he interprets this. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. In other words, this is not something that's happening on the spur of the moment. This has been in the mind of God from all eternity. Think about that for a second. God is trying to say something. And what he's saying is that he's king and that he's coming in peace and that our response to him should be as the crowd's response. It's worship. See, because when Jesus shows up, he changes Everything. When Jesus shows up, he changes the way you do marriage. He changes the way you do femininity and masculinity. He changes the way you uh, respond to those who harm you and who those who offend you. When Jesus shows up, nothing is ever the same. Interestingly enough, Jesus shows up in our hearts the way he shows up in Jerusalem. So let me tell you how he shows up. And this is important. This is important for you. If you're here and you, let's say, for instance, you're here and you're like me. I didn't grow up in a Christian household. I wanted nothing to do with Jesus. If you were like me, I was antagonistic towards Christians. I hated Christians. Didn't want to be around them. It's, nobody's more surprised than me that I'm here speaking to you. Trust me when I tell you, this is a shock to me more than anybody else. Maybe my sister is a little more shocked than I am. But this is a shock, right? Here's what I'm saying. Jesus comes in and he changes a heart the same way he came into Jerusalem. And I want you to see that if you're here and you're antagonistic towards Jesus, this might be an opportunity for you to open your heart to who Jesus is. And what I mean by that is letting him be the shock caller in your life. If you're here and Jesus is your Lord, you're like, yay, I'm, a, you know, I'm on the Jesus team, I'm on the cheerleading squad, you know, give me a J, give me an E, like that's you, and you're like all about Jesus and that's your story, then this story is also about you because the way Jesus comes is the way Jesus transforms your heart as well. But you got, so it's for all of us. But I want you to use your, I want you to use your thinking cap and look at it. So, 
when Jesus shows up, he changes everything. But there's three questions we're going to ask and answer. The first one, let's get right to it, in this passage that we see, is how does Jesus show up? How does Jesus show up? When Jesus shows up, you can write this down. How does Jesus show up? He, jo- he shows up receptive, not exclusive. Let me see if I could unpack this for you. When Jesus shows up into town, and when Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart, and Jesus is drawing you to himself, he comes with open arms, and not, oh no, you're too good, you're too bad, you've done too much. You see, Jesus comes as one who would receive you, no matter where you are. This is good news for all of us. And the reason that this is good news for all of us is because it doesn't matter how bad or how good you've ever been, Jesus will receive you. Now, there's a bunch of us in this room, and so when we're in this room, there's a group of us who are like, yo, you don't understand what I've done. What I've done is very, very wicked, right? Like I, you know, I, I, I have done wicked things terrible things that no one could forgive me for. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming, and he comes without a, he's a, he's not a respecter of persons. Isn't that good news? And what that means is that he comes receiving you. He's receptive to you. I don't know about you, but I've not been received well everywhere I've gone. And when that happens, I'm reminded, oh, I get it. This is a relationship where I have to jump through hoops or meet a certain standard in order to be approved by you. I get it. Sometimes it's legitimate, like a workplace, marriage. Sometimes it's illegitimate, like racism and injustice. But when Jesus comes in, doesn't matter how bad you've been. Jesus comes in and he says, I receive you. I will receive you. Now, this is very, very, very good because some of us walk around thinking, oh, don't worry. God, God will love you. No matter what you do, God will love you. No matter what you do, God will love you. And, and the truth is, you're absolutely right. But here's the deal. If I push back on you and say, wait up, yeah, God is loving, God is love, God is loving, God is love, I always want to push back and say, all right, well, what did it cost your God to love you? Nothing? Then Jesus, he's more loving than your loving God. Because Jesus comes to a town knowing that this is going to put a bullseye on his back. And he comes to your heart knowing that you're going to have to choose and that you may reject him. But I want you to know the building didn't fall down on you, that you are not so bad, that his grace can't overcome it. Remember, don't ever forget. I don't care. Listen to me. Listen to me. Fathers, those of you who abandoned your children and who did drugs for years and who harmed your family, Your sin is not so great that his grace is not greater still. Mamas, listen to me. 
You abandoned your children. You ran out and used drugs. You left them and you, you, you whatever. Even had abortions and all that. Your sin is not so great that he is not greater still. See, there's a group of us who think that Jesus won't be receptive to us because we don't qualify. We're not in the in crowd. He won't include us. It's not true. Jesus comes, and he comes receptive. There's another group of us, and this group of us think we are just fine. We don't, I'm so happy that the rest of you have Jesus because you really need him. But me, I'm a good person. I don't need Jesus. And good news, Jesus will receive you as well. You know that, that Jesus doesn't only forgive uh, people for their sin, but he forgives them for their righteousness. You know what I mean when I say that? There's a sense where some of us think that we are righteous because of the acts that we do, because of the gifts that we have, because of something other than Jesus. And Jesus says, I'll receive you too. You think you're too good for me? It's okay. My hands are open to you. I love you. Jesus comes. How does Jesus show up? Because Jesus changes everything. When Jesus shows up, tell me, when Jesus shows up, he changes everything. So how does Jesus show up? He shows up receptive, not exclusive. That means everybody can, and let me just say this really fast. A lot of people think that Christianity is like this super narrow um, thing. Let me just say two things about that. Number one, every single form of belief is narrow. Everyone. Even if you're one of those people who say, no, 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 whatever anybody believes, whatever anybody says, whatever anybody, you know, that's, even you exclude me. Because I go, I disagree with that. There's only one true God. And you go, well, well, don't be like that. We, we, we need to be tolerant towards one another. And then somebody says, no, we need to be intolerant towards um, murderers. And, you know, we need to actually have uh, uh, boundaries and stuff like that. Well, well, don't want to do that. doesn't matter how open you are. Everybody is exclusive to a certain degree. Everybody. You can't not be. Okay. That's number one. And then secondly, there is a beauty to Jesus' um, narrowness. And it's this. Everybody gets in the same way. Did you know that? That means if you're the crackhead who did 20 years in jail for murder, or you're the nice mom who helps out with the PTA, all of you get in the same way. There's no, now watch this, this is not true. If you're a Hindu, there's a caste system. You might have to be born several times before you can actually get into God's graces. If you're um, a Jewish person, you better follow the Ten Commandments. And if you follow the Ten Commandments, you'll be fine. If you're um, in Islam, the five pillars, it's important. You got to follow them. And then maybe God will let you into the team. With Christianity, Jesus says, I'll go first. Jesus says, I will die so that you could be received. With Christianity, it says, he, everybody comes in. Everybody comes in the same way. You think you're good, you think you're bad. You think you, you have high esteem, you have low esteem. You're proud, you're depressed. Doesn't matter, we all come in. You're rich, you're poor, you're attractive, unattractive. You're healthy, unhealthy. Jesus, with Jesus, come in the same way. All of us, because he's receptive, not exclusive. Secondly, 
So the first question was, how does, if Jesus, when Jesus shows up, he changes everything. And the first question is, how does he show up? Then the next question is, what does Jesus do when he shows up? What does Jesus do when he shows up? Well, interestingly enough, he's a servant, not a tyrant. Do you see that in the text? He comes in on the donkey, meaning he's coming in peace. See, they want a warlord. They want someone who will come in and throw the Romans out and put everything in its place and make everything right. And if Jesus would do that, then he's really king. And Jesus goes, I'm not coming in like that. I'm coming in peaceful. You know, it's interesting because what they want, we want. I don't know about you, but I want Jesus to change me lickety-split. I want Jesus to make me a more generous, kind man. I want Jesus to change. I want Jesus to change everything about. There are some of you here who struggle with your sexual orientation, and you're like, oh, Jesus. And he's like, no, I don't come in like that. I'm coming into you peacefully. I'm coming into you as a loving God. And as we grow in love with Jesus, our other loves start to pale. There are some of you who come in and you just go, God, change me from this terrible rage uh, that I exhibit sometimes. And then you get embarrassed, especially in holiday moments where families get together because you fly off the handle. And you go, Jesus, it's been so long. Why haven't you changed this? Or maybe it's not like a personal character. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a circumstance. I don't want to be poor like this anymore. I don't want to always, I don't want to be in this system. I don't want to be in jail this long. I don't want to be, whatever it is, you come in and you say, Jesus, I will love you, but make sure you change the marriage. Jesus, I will love you, but make sure you fix the kids. Jesus, I will love you, but make sure you address the finances. And Jesus says, no, I'm not coming in like a tyrant. I'm, I'm coming as a servant. I love that. He comes in on the donkey, and he comes as a servant, and, he see, and we see Jesus, and he comes into the city the same way he comes to our hearts, and he says, I love you. And I'm going to do a work in your heart. You go, but I've been struggling with this addiction too long. He goes, spend more time with me. Spend more time with me. You go, this marriage has been tough for too long. This illness has been taking its toll on me for too long. Listen, listen, listen. I'm with you through it all. I'm with you through it all. I'm not going to overthrow the Romans. I'm not going to overthrow your circumstances. I mean, I've seen that happen in people's lives, and I love it when Jesus does it in mine, but it's not the norm, really. If you want to see growth in your life, if you want to see transformation in your life, spend time with Jesus for a long time. Because he comes on a donkey, not on a war horse. He's not going to overcome your will and, and crush you. But he draws you. Because that's what Jesus does when he shows up. Because when Jesus shows up, he changes everything. How does Jesus show up? He shows up receptive, not exclusive. What does Jesus do when he shows up? He's a servant and not a tyrant. So then, and, and we're getting towards the end of the message. This is really important, and I want us to get this. So if you've been counting lights, 
ever, you know, right? Because I can talk for a while, and you're like, oh, man, when is this going to be over? One, two, three, right, right? And you start counting lights. It's cool. But right now, I need you to zero in, because what we're going to say is really, really important. If you notice towards the end of the passage, there's a response. Some people are saying, who is this Jesus? Others are answering. By the way, they don't answer completely. They answer only in so far as they know up to that moment. Right? So they say he's a prophet, which is absolutely true. Jesus is a prophet, but he's much more than that. He, they just they didn't finish the thought. And it's cool. In, in, a, in about another week, they're going to get the biggest clue in their life. Right? But the, the text shows us that there's a response to Jesus, that we are not to be passive. When Jesus shows up, he changes everything, and therefore we cannot be passive. And so if the question is, what's our response to Jesus show up? And it's simply this. Crown him or kill him. And that's everybody's response. Crown him or kill him. And that is one. Now, let me talk to the Christians, right? Because I like to beat up on the Christians every now and again. So I'll talk to this group of Christians that I'll beat up on. Then I'll move on to the rest of you. Now, seriously speaking, though, aren't there issues in your life that you think that you can handle better than Jesus? Aren't there circumstances in your life that you think, no, 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 I'll do this? And, and you never say that. You never say, oh, I can do better than Jesus, right? You, you never say, I can do better in Jesus in fixing my husband. But what you do is you belittle him and you wound him. And in that moment, you can choose to crown Jesus as Lord and rest even in that uncomfortable moment or you can choose to kill him. Nah, you take a hike. I don't need you right now. I know how to fix this. April 15th is right around the corner, and you have financial needs. Hey, man, crown him or kill him. Which one will it be? How many dependents do you really have? (laughs) Do you see... Do you see how every decision that we make is one where we're saying, crown him Lord of all or kill him? John MacArthur said it this way. It was brilliant, actually. If you're going to write anything down, you should probably write this one down. I didn't invent it. It was John MacArthur. And he said this. He said, Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all thought that was insightful. Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Now, can I, can I just poke you a little bit? Many of us who call ourselves Christians roll the dice on whether we'll crown him or kill him on a daily basis. On a daily basis, it is a wonder of who will be on the throne of our hearts. Will we sit on the throne of our hearts, ruling and reigning and making sure that everything goes according to our plan? Or will we trust Jesus to rule and to reign, even if that means walking through some very, very difficult times? See, when Jesus shows up to the heart, when Jesus shows up, we have a response to him. And it's never neutral He never 
left that option. Jesus comes into your heart like the way he comes into this city as one who would be decided upon. What will you say? And some of you are like, well, yeah, yeah, you know, whatever. So, um, you know, sometimes Jesus is the boss, sometimes I'm the boss. You know, we have things that we love, gods that we pursue more than Jesus, gods that we love and we bow down and we obey more than Jesus. God's like approval. I'll do anything for you to like me. I'll do anything. This is where men get into credit card trouble because they're trying to impress a girl who won't be here four months from now, but they're trying to get her to like him. Anything. And what you're doing is you're sacrificing your finances on the altar of approval. Because Jesus is not enough. Jesus' approval is not nearly enough. What you need is, listen, you're not whole if Jesus loves you. You're only whole if she loves you. And, you know, just fill in the blank, which, whatever your flavor is. You see, our option is to either crown him as king or kill him. That's our only option. So what will your response be? What will your response be to this glorious king who comes to save and to love? What will you do? So, let's just, let's. May I recommend that you crown him? Singles, let's talk. May I recommend that you crown Jesus as your king and say, you know what? This body is not for anybody but the one that Jesus sends to me. And I'm not going to compromise and I'm not going to go, oh, it's 2,000 years and, you know, it's so old-fashioned. No, 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 no. I am going to, I am going to reserve myself and Jesus will be my satisfaction. Because you're not trying to be the Lord of your life. You're not trying to find your beauty in some other savior other than Jesus, no matter what kind of car he drives. It's in Christ that your savior is. Married couples, can I talk to you for a second? If your marriage is dry and your marriage is going through great tension and friction, and boy, I'm no stranger to that. I've been with my wife for 26 years. I am not necessarily a very good husband. I was just thinking about this this morning. In my glove compartment, no kidding. This is true. In my glove compartment, we've been together for 26 years now. In my glove compartment is the card that I got for her for our 25th anniversary. I just thought about that this Sunday, just this morning. I was like, oh, a little late. A little late. I was like, ah, wish that wasn't true. But there it is. But you know what? If she's not my God, I can love her well. If she's not the one who'll save me from being a bad husband, let me tell you something. Jesus, Jesus only loves bad husbands, bad wives, bad mothers, bad or There are no good anythings in Jesus' economy. We're all desperate sinners in need of a savior. So you're a bad mom, 
Yay! He's a king that changes everything. You're a bad husband. Cool, you're with me. Yay! Jesus changes everything. Listen to me. He changes everything. So crown him. Crown him as the king of your life. Bow down to him and experience the joy that you can only find in Jesus. Resting that only he will satisfy and save, not these other lords that will call on your name. That is my prayer for you this Palm Sunday, that you would make, that you would sing from the depths of your hearts, Hosanna to the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Let's pray. Jesus, I I don't know how I could possibly approach you. I simply don't know how I could possibly approach you if you were if you were choosy about your love. I don't I wouldn't even know how to begin. I don't know if you didn't come in as meek and as humble as a servant as you do. I wouldn't even know how to deal with you, how to relate to you, how to respond to you. Lord, I need you in my own soul. This church, this group of people who gather together for your glory, we need you. We'll never be the church. We'll never be the joy-filled followers of Christ that you long for us to be, finding our satisfaction not in any other Savior, but only in you. So Lord, would you give us a heart to crown you and not kill you? Would you give us a heart to scream, Hosanna, and not crucify him? Would you give us a heart that would be submitted unto your authority, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it doesn't make sense to our society, even when the culture says it's okay, even when everything else screams, we'll do it our own way. And so, Lord, I pray for those here who don't know you. I pray that they would come to you, submit to you, surrender to you, love you, and find you delightful. I pray that you would draw them to yourself in a supernatural way, helping them to see that they are worse than they think, but more loved by you than they could ever imagine. And Lord, for those of us who know you, would you help us not to pick and choose what we'll obey and what we'll follow and what we'll do and how we'll be led by you? You come as a servant who loves but you're a leader as well. And a God and a king and a glorious one who deserves worship and praise. Would you help us? In a very real way, would you help us 
to turn to you as the Lord of our hearts, the Savior of our souls, and the one in whom we rejoice to crown. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now.